today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. you're walking in unrepentant sin, if you're walking maybe not even on the edge, maybe you're even over the edge too much, and you haven't felt the disciplining hand, the chastisement of your father because of your sin, perhaps maybe you need to, again, examine yourselves, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Examine yourself, see whether you're actually in the faith. He says to test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. One of the things that we know that we are in the Lord is when the Holy Spirit begins, again, bringing that correction. Correction from the Holy Spirit should be expected. If you don't feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to acknowledge the sin in your life, then it's time for you to revisit your relationship with Jesus. Pastor David reminds you today that your faith should inspire in you the need to pursue holiness. If you're truly focused on God, you'll begin to recognize the flaws in your life that need to be worked on. Don't let this recognition discourage you, but instead ask Jesus to come alongside you and to help you become a better person. Now here's Pastor David in the book of James chapter 3 as he continues his message, A Practical Faith. The unfortunate thing that we find today is that way too many, way too many, well-meaning Protestant theologians as well as Roman Catholics and then other uh, side branches of what we would declare to be true Christianity, they really compromise that idea and they bring in this alternate uh, concept and th- that, that's totally incorrect and actually to the point of heretical, and they actually lean into what I believe to be the teaching of the Judaizers. And you remember the teaching of the Judaizers. You, you, there, there, there was work that had to be done. You had to maintain the law. You had to go through the Jewish ceremonies in order to be a good Christian. There was rules and stuff that you had to make in order to gain salvation. So even in mainline Protestantism, we find this very thing going on. They, they, they primarily speak of two justifications. That's the initial act of acceptance of, of, through faith that Paul writes about. But then also that there is a final vindication or completeness that comes through what we read in James. The first justification is based on faith alone. The second, however, is based on works in addition to faith. In other words, although we are, yes, we are saved by faith and that not of ourselves, they also believe that we are eternally maintained by works of righteousness that we have done. 
And beloved, that, that's just wrong. They say that we are saved by faith, but we are maintained by works. And beloved, that is not the gospel. That's not good news. In reality, it's not even possible. Because if we are maintained by good works, guess what? Ain't none of us going to be able to do that. So again, um, going back to uh, Douglas Moo, he says that James, it'll be remembered, is not arguing that a Christian must add works to faith. He insists that true saving faith will work. In other words, there'll be something that you'll do because of it. Now, when we look at it in clarity and the overall theme and the intent of the scriptures, we actually find that rather than being in conflict with each other, Paul and James, actually they're they're complementary of each other. That's why Paul was so clear in Ephesians, and we keep forgetting this last verse in that Ephesians chapter 2 passage, when he writes that, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see, Paul isn't saying anything different than what James is saying. How can it be any clearer than that? It is grace alone, through faith alone, that we're saved. We are brought into that relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But as we are saved, uh, the, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within our lives. And as he comes into our lives, he brings with him that ongoing and continual work of regeneration, drawing us, empowering us to work in obedience and faithfulness to the Father day Today, moment by moment, we're called to walk in obedience, doing the will of the one who saved us, who purchased us with the precious blood of his dear son. It's an ongoing work of maturity within our lives that is called sanctification. We are saved, but we are growing in our salvation through that sanctification, through obedience, And through faithfulness, we are maturing in our walk. We're not getting, understand, we're not getting more saved. We're growing in our salvation. We're created and and we're redeemed in him to live our lives in good works, which God planned beforehand. God had already established that before. And if the Holy Spirit truly abides within us, and if we are believers, the Holy Spirit truly abides within us. The only reason the Holy Spirit would not be abiding in us is if we are not truly believers. If you are truly born again by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit abides within you. And if the Holy Spirit abides within you, we cannot live our lives outside of his will and purpose for very long without having the Father discipline and correct us for it. A loving father disciplines his children. And if you're walking in unrepentant sin, if you're walking maybe not even on the edge, maybe you're even over the edge too much, 
and you haven't felt the disciplining hand, the chastisement of your father because of your sin, perhaps maybe you need to, again, examine yourselves, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Examine yourself, see whether you're actually in the faith. He says to test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? One of the things that we know that we are in the Lord is when the Holy Spirit begins, again, bringing that correction, speaking into our lives. This relates exactly to what James encourages the believers to do in chapter 1. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James knew that if all you're doing is hearing the word and at the end of the message you applaud and it's very good, it made me feel good, and yet you go out the doors and you live the same way the rest of the world does, then you're deceiving yourself. You think that you're saved because you come into the church. Coming into the church does nothing. It's when you enter into the presence of God Almighty through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by faith in that completed work, surrendering your life to him. That's where it changes. So although we haven't yet quite got into James yet, as we close, uh, be, be assured of this one thing. James does not write about a works-based salvation or even with that frame of mind. He writes with a live in obedience to the one who has saved you frame of mind. You know the old saying, dance with the one who brought you? No, live in obedience to the one who saved you. That's where we need to be. Our salvation is not based on our works. I want you to catch this. Our salvation is not based on our works. But our works are based on our salvation. If we are saved, there will be a life that demonstrates the change. James writes the letter as as a warning against disobedience. He writes to them because he knows that they're facing trials and troubles and persecutions in that present world. Also, the, the, the witness of their lives to, to those that are still in the world. The question really comes to mind, could our disobedience, as professing believers, could our disobedience actually keep someone from coming to faith in Christ, the very one that you say you follow? When they look at our lives and say, I don't want some of that. The word says that we're to be salt and light. I, I, I love that idea of salt, and I know that most preach on that as that preserving factor of, of our lives, being salt to the world. But I, this world is not going to be preserved. This world, just as uh, Ken Ross shared with his son, it's all, it's all going to burn. I, I look at it as we're salt. We're making other people thirsty for what we have, that, that we're drawing people to it. And are we that way? Or do our lives actually show that? That's what I see the book of James being all about. So let's look at the book itself. Uh, 
It was, it's one of the earliest books to be written. It and Galatians were probably Galatians by Paul, the book of James by James, the half-brother of the Lord, both written probably about the same time, the late AD 50s, maybe 60, written directly to Jewish Christians undergoing a lot of trials and persecutions even early on in the church. Uh, his words to them, his instructions, I, be, I believe even speaks to our hearts, even to our lives, even today in the 21st century. I think that we can look at this and we say, oh man, that, that talks to me right there. Oh, that's a, that's a struggle I have right there. That, oh, that's, that's my battle right there. And I know that none of us today in the 21st century, particularly here in America, have a problem with our tongues. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> His, his style, James's style of writing is very much uh, like the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, uh, the books of Psalms and uh, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes and Job, just a, a bunch of, at, at first glance, it looks like just these random instructions and directions, these words. It, it contains a ton of biblical wisdom as well as these words of encouragement during these times of trials and, and temptations. It appears almost like random thoughts. And because of that, it's, it really is hard to outline in any kind of a general way. As I was studying through this, I mean, you can look at a, 10 different commentators, you're going to have like 12 different outlines of the book of James, of how to outline it, because, again, the way it is. Uh, One uh, author speaks about the fact that basic to all that James says in his letter is his concern that his readers stop compromising with worldly values and behavior and to give themselves wholly over to the Lord. He speaks of spiritual wholeness as being the central concern of the letter. A lot of what he says, a lot of what James says here, it's interesting, it it correlates right with what Jesus speaks to the multitudes on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes back in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7? Well, keep your place in James. Turn back to Matthew 5, if you would. Uh, Again, it's amazing. And again, it it, it speaks very much, I I believe, of him being uh, the Lord's half-brother. I could almost see James as a non-believer sitting back on the very edge of the hillside listening to his elder brother teach the people and just smirking at the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, now that he's saved, those words coming back to him and as he's writing them out. But uh, James tells us in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, My my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. But in Matthew chapter 5, look down in verse 10. James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Down in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, James tells us in verse 4 of chapter 1, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In Matthew chapter 7, down in verse 7, 
Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Well, James in chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. Back in Matthew Chapter 5 again, over in verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In James chapter 1, verse 9, James says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, that he's humble and he's small, because he knows he will be exalted. There's a lot more in there. I'm going to skip through some of them. In, in James chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, James writes, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make Peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. In James chapter 4, verse 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Back in James in chapter 5, skipping over a few more here, but in chapter 5, verse 12, James writes, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but just let your yes be yes and your no, no, unless you fall into judgment. It's interesting, Jesus said the very same thing in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 33, Jesus says in, five, in Matthew 5, verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oath to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all. He's not call, talking about uh, cussing here. He's talking about, you know, I swear to you, this is how I swear in my mother's grave. I swear on that. He said, no, you don't need to swear at all, neither by heaven or uh, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head because you can't make one hair white or black. But let your what? Yes be yes and your no be no. Where do you think James learned that? I believe from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. I know that trying to go through this whole book of James is actually going to be like taking, trying to take a drink from a fire hydrant uh, because there's like so much there. Uh, and, and there's so much, yeah, we'll get, a, we'll get moisture from it, uh, but there's going to be so much that we miss. But don't forget, that's the intent of these Wednesday night services as we're going through the Bible in a year, more or less. Uh, it's simply to whet your appetite for further study in the book. 
Now, just in the time that we have left, let me look, let's, let's kind of back up to the beginning of James. But I did want to get that correlation with the uh, Sermon on the Mount to you. It's amazing as James writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Why were the 12 tribes scattered? Well, because of persecution, ongoing persecution that was, that was happening. And in particular to the Jewish Christians that were being persecuted and pushed out, both by Judaism as well as, as the Roman government themselves. And he tells them there uh, in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of you, that, that was the first Bible verse you ever learned in your life? Yeah. No, it's probably, it's probably one that you, you learn because of circumstances, not because of choice. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials. What is a trial? Difference between trial and temptation. Trial is something that makes it very, very difficult to be a believer. Trial is barricades and walls in your way. Trial is the ongoing current that tries to force you downstream with every other dead thing, and you're wanting to swim upstream for the glory of God. A trial is that that tries to slow you down in your process of sanctification and of maturity. A temptation, on the other hand, is the thing that wants to knock you out of the game, not just slow you down. It wants to knock you out of the game, make you ineffective in your, in your walk and in your testimony. A temptation comes to not, not to slow you down, but the temptation actually comes seriously to get you off track, to get you completely out of the game, get you off course so that you're really not doing, as a matter of fact, you're doing opposite of what you ought to be doing. That's the things. And James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, that push, that press that's coming against you, that that barricade, that wall that's keeping you from pursuing at the rate and at the speed that you want to go in your growth in the Lord. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What do you mean the testing of my faith? I want to go this way. This is the way that I believe the Lord has called me to do. And there's a wall there, but I'm going to go. So I'm going to keep going and I'm going to crawl over that wall. I get over that wall and there's a boulder there. And I'm going to crawl over that boulder. And knowing that the testing of my faith, it's testing my faith. And do I really want to do what he says I want, I'm supposed to be doing? Do I really have that perseverance in my life that I'm saying, no, my, my faith says I want to go that way. He says it tests your faith, and in that testing of your faith, it produces patience. Oh, but let patience have its perfect work. What does it mean by that, that perfect work? That means that, that idea, the, the very reason that we have patience, the fullness of the understanding of why we're to have patience in order that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That doesn't mean that I come to sinless, or sinless perfection. That means that, again, I'm maturing in my faith. I'm maturing in my faith. So more often than not, if and when I stumble, I definitely stumble toward the Lord. I don't fall away from the Lord. I don't go off track. I continue on track. It may slow me down for a moment, 
but in perseverance, that, that, that continual going, my faith will keep me going. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.